Former swimmers looking for a way to give back to the sport in New York City? Reach out to Imagine Swimming. Since 2002, they've been the premier learn-to-swim school with international and American staff, including Olympic champions Anthony Irvin and Eric Vent. Imagine Swimming offers infant to adult classes, plus competitive team options, water polo, and an artistic swimming club coached by an Olympic silver medalist. With flagship locations across Manhattan and Brooklyn, Imagine is always looking for the next generation of swimmers to pass on their knowledge and passion for swimming. Tired of settling for less than the best with your team's dryland program? SwimStrong Dryland is the answer you've been looking for. With world-class dryland programming for every age group, customized to fit your team's needs, nutritional coaching and education centered on the latest evidence-based research, leadership training and character development to promote an athlete-driven culture, sports psychology education and mental skills training, coaches' corners to promote collaboration, data-driven performance analysis, and an unrivaled family of athletes, coaches, and teams, Fast Swimming starts here. All right, man, here we go. We're, uh, I'm here sitting, talking to Coach Dill Anderson-Lee. How you doing, my friend? Thanks for having me, Brett. I'm good. Just finished the gym, pretty much. But, yeah, all good. How about awesome. you? I'm good, man. Listen, I'm... Um, I'm in Irvine, California. It's uh, it's kind of late on Sunday night. The sun's going down, so pretty cool. But uh, listen, I, I met you in Singapore a couple of weeks ago. We came out there to do a clinic, and you work at the Nexus uh, School in in yeah. Singapore. And I I was just really impressed with the with the setup and your coaching and your team. And I said, hey man, let's do a podcast to kind of shine a light on on the region and what you guys are doing. Not many people really talk about your region. And uh, so I figured we could, we could do that together. Does that sound cool? Yeah, perfect. Awesome, man. So well, give us a little bit of background about yourself, first of all. Um, so pretty much I'm, I came from the Philippines. Um, I used to swim for my country back in, from 2004 all the way to 2014, which was my last representation of my country. Um, I've competed in SEA Games, uh, World Champs, and that's the last one that I competed in. Pretty much the last one was in Doha. So What was your events? Uh, 50 fly, 100 fly. Um, sometimes I mix in a little bit of breaststroke, mm -hmm. but that's just for like um, national events. But internationally, it's mostly butterfly. Nice. nice. So, Coaching-wise, um, I was, it's a little bit, I guess, unconventional, but I started coaching around 17, turning 18, because where I used to go to school, they pretty much invited me to spearhead the, the swimming program because they were about to start it. And mm. that time, coming from a Southeast Asian age group, um, that was the, the time I won gold. And But I was like... I thought it was a joke because mm -hmm. I, I was 17 and I was like, most likely it's not true. But then I got back from the meet and they were like, okay, we're, you're, you're starting a month after if you're oh. keen. I was like, okay then. And things pretty much uh, rolled into things. And that's when I realized, you know, like um, it's actually something I love to do. Mm. Um, and I believe that it's my purpose in life to actually help out the younger generation and try to get them to where they want to be. 
Yeah. Yeah. Look, I could tell that you obviously had a passion for it, but uh, it's good. It's good that someone else recognized that in you and kind of pushed that on you. You maybe not, maybe didn't recognize that in yourself at first, but you definitely got a gift for it. And I I saw that myself. Um, One of the things that I, I recognized when I was down in Singapore working, especially with your team is that um, they were very skill oriented that, you know, their skills were on point for, for the age that we were working with, you know, like in that up our high school level, you know, um, but they were very, very skill oriented. Um, they're very attentive and, and uh, good learners, good listeners. And, but they just, they just picked things up really well, but they were just really highly skilled for their age. And I was just super impressed with that. So in terms of your, your coaching, philosophy once you know once you started coaching and your and your coaching education where did that how did that develop where did that come from i think it came from my personal experience really because i mean i mean you've met me and i'm not really the tallest of athletes out there but something that i personally was proud of was my attention to detail when mm-hmm. i was a swimmer and i always took pride in in my skill sets, whether it be underwater, how I do my turns, I would always like to think that, you know, despite my my stature, I actually do race against people way taller than me. And actually, mm-hmm. it feels good when I nab one race in, mm-hmm. you know, like, so, and then it transitioned to coaching where, you know, like, I would always like to think that if I can equip my swimmers with the necessary skills or attention to the skills that I know is important in the sport, then I'm pretty much setting them up to wherever they want to be once they graduate from Nexus or from wherever they are at their current life. And I think as a coach, not equipping them with the necessary skills that they need, I'm pretty much limiting where they're going to go in the future. So I think it's my part to make sure that they have the skills that they need mm-hmm. and whether they get to where we want them to go in the future, which is a higher level of swimming. That's pretty much the best case scenario like that I can ask for. What about your, your education, your, your um, knowledge, your, your advancement in just uh, the learning, you know, obviously as a swimmer, there's things that you pick up, but as a coach, you, you need a, um, a much deeper arsenal in terms of like, you know, the, the knowledge base that you need. So in your region, you know, in, in the Southeast Asian region, what do you guys do for education? Um, we do a lot of courses here, um, pretty much in Southeast Asia. Um, in my case, it's pretty much similar. I had a couple of courses that tackle sports science and all that. But personally, I would like to think, or at least I believe that, I got a lot of my education from just researching stuff, really. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of it is pretty much if you want to be a good coach or if you want to be a good athlete, it's about trying to fill yourself with the knowledge that you need mm-hmm. in hopes that you can pass it to the next generation. And if I'm going to be honest, when I was a swimmer, I actually learned a lot from you. And um, I was a fan of Cesar Shello when he was swimming. My coach was a big fan to a point where he made us do um, the Gatorade, Gatorade set, <laughs> the fuke set. So oh, that, was that I will I will always remember. <laughs> but sorry. Yeah. 
such just researching. So yeah, yeah. Well, I apologize for the Gatorade set, but uh, but listen, uh, that's great. Yeah, look, you're right. As a as a swimmer, I think the thing that took me to the next level is is observation and asking questions and and listening and learning and watching what other people were doing and trying to understand it and figuring out, all right, what's my, what's my competition doing? Um, you know, whether it be technically or just, um, you know, the physiology or maybe even the psychology, trying to understand every, every process more so that I could get better. And then that, that transitioned into my coaching as well. And I think that sounds like exactly what you do as well. And, and I'm, I'm glad that, um, I'm able to provide a resource where, you know, uh, certain situations where whether I was coaching Caesar at that time or I have the podcast now, I'm able to share knowledge and information yep. as well. And I'm I'm a big uh, believer in, in that as well. Yep, for sure. Like, um, I think it's a great thing what you're doing here, especially because it gives um, coaches around the world different perspective, really. Yep. Like, yep. if I'm going to be honest, as you have mentioned, um, we are highly uh, skilled team, mm -hmm. and a lot of them I pick up from other people, and then I just pretty much run away with it. Really, like mm -hmm. for example, to give you an example is um, I remember watching one of your podcasts with Jordan Crooks, mm -hmm. if I remember right, and I believe I remember him saying how they do some drills underwater-wise and. Me personally, I used to believe that what Michael Phelps used to do, where you pretty much have minimal body movement, mm -hmm. upper body-wise, torso-wise, and it's all about the hip um, action mm -hmm. and getting it through your core, transferring all that power. But hearing him say that and watching Caleb Dressel, Jordan Crooks do it, pretty much listening to that perspective, it made me actually research and funny thing is I was watching for a full week of um, how orcas and dolphins swim. And one interesting thing is like, apparently when they actually move faster through the water, when they try to add speed into their swimming, they actually move their upper body with it to actually generate more power, oh. which was interesting to me to a point where it was hard to find that moment where they actually speed up. But when I found one video, I had to show my swimmers to prove to them that I want this and this what will help us get to the next level. Mm. And interestingly, what I noticed is when you do it, when you actually move your shoulder and chest and getting power from it, some some athletes who do not have the necessary mobility um, when it comes mm -hmm. to their hip mobility or mm -hmm. their pelvic movements, when they actually do the shoulder and chest movement, it ha actually helps them flow a lot better. Mm was something that I took from that podcast and I just pretty much run, ran away with it doing different drills and until now we progressed from it so from hands pretty much open to just single arm um, it's all about letting my swimmers know how to connect or how to feel that connection from shoulder chest transferring all that power to their core to their hips all the way all the way to their quads all the way to the snap of your kick, really. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's just pretty much learning from each individual and trying to run away with it. That's really cool, man. Well, actually, I just learned something from you. I didn't know orcas did that movement. Uh, so I'm going to actually do some research on that. If you have that video, send it to me. I'd like yeah. to see that. But um, 
That's that's brilliant because um, you're right. Look, when when I was swimming, it was all about stability in the upper body, yep. right? Like you had to kick like Phelps or, or or Lochte in that sense, and so it was about stability. And so I was never very um, loose through my thoracics. I always had a tight upper body, so I could never yep. get the action very yep. very well. And then, like you said, talking to a Jordan Crooks uh, and watching Caleb, and the, and they have that movement there it was like oh wow i could have been so much better if i had have had that chance to to put that into action but uh, it's yeah. good that you're doing that and experimenting with that and even taking it one step further to do your own research on that so that's pretty cool man i like that thanks i mean at the end of the day i think um i'm in a position or in a platform where i have to because as a coach right like it, you're pretty much the conductor of the opera or something mm -hmm. I believe that if I do the necessary work and I get to relay the message and if my swimmers know what we're trying to do, the vision and the mission mission in the team, then I think we're setting my team in a, in a really good spot. Mm -hmm. That's great. So, man. I love that. I love that. Um, so how did you actually end up in Singapore then? So I was coaching my own club in the Philippines. Um, and then I was also coaching in an international school. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, COVID happened. And mm -hmm. uh, pretty much the president of the Philippines decided to cancel everything. Everything should be online. There's no sports. And I spent like maybe roughly around six months staying in the Philippines. And I was trying to make do of what i have at that moment but thinking and knowing that my purpose in life is pretty much to coach swimming and everything online it just didn't work out so i had to look online if i can find a job elsewhere and thankfully i got the job here in singapore in nexus and since february or march 2021 i've been here so wow Tell, tell us about Nexus. I was super impressed with it. I mean, I'm, I was actually blown away with the, uh, you know, the progression of, of Singapore. I hadn't been back in maybe probably about 20 years now. I hadn't, I hadn't actually been to Singapore. I do remember Singapore airport being one of my favorite airports in the world. It's just so clean and beautiful. And there's just so many things you can do there, but, but the city itself or the, the, the country, I guess now is, is, um, just uh, incredible. I mean, the the progression that Singapore has made. I was actually watching a show the other day, deal where it's called uh, "How to Live to a Hundred. Have you seen this on Netflix? Oh, I haven't watched that. Yeah, yeah, you got to check that out. And at the end of it, the, the last the last um, you know episode, I think it's episode four. Um, you know, because he talks about all these hotspots uh, of the past. But in episode four, he talks about a hotspot of, of the future. And he talks about Singapore and the progression that Singapore's made and how people are now living to, to 100 and, and all the things that they're doing in Singapore to improve quality of life. And, and I saw that. I saw it you know, a couple of weeks ago. I was just blown away with uh, Singapore itself and what, what you guys are doing there. But, but in terms of uh, Nexus, I was also impressed with that. So t tell us about the school itself. So Nexus International School pretty much – I mean, if I'm going to be honest, we're quite lucky and blessed at the same time because the school supports swimming. And I would like to think that we kind of train not similar to most schools because it's pretty much um, like a club, really. Like we yeah. get 
real swimming in, real training in, mm-hmm. which working in a different international school before, I mean, it's not always the case, right? But here at Nexus, we do feel the support that we are fully supported by the school. I mean, like we got scholarships for swimmers. Um, wow. If they want to pursue both education and swimming, we do offer scholarships. That's one. We got, I believe, seven scholars as of the moment. Um, the school supports us in a way where I would I, I would like to think for a for an age group program, high school program. We actually have GMX sevens and power towers, which you don't. Fifty meter pole too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's really was interesting. It, was it ten lanes? I can't remember. We got ten lanes here. Yeah. Uh, we got nice blocks. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got yeah. wedges. Yeah. Pretty much anything that we yeah. ask for, what what we visualize, and yeah. as a coach, I visualize, I pretty much tell the the higher ups, and they kind of support us by purchasing what we need to help yeah. the athletes get to the next level. It actually looks like you're sitting in the equipment room right now. Is that correct? Yeah. Is there stuff behind you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's – oh, wow. Yeah. And the gym, like you had the gyms upstairs. Like the beautiful – it's like it was, yeah. it was incredible the amount of equipment you had. It looked like a university setup, to be quite honest. Yeah. It was just like you yeah. guys had everything, you know? And what's interesting is there's a, there's a fitness suite, and then you got a specific like aquatics gym. So right. it's like aquatics gym. So the school, the school itself, um, they support us really well. The swimmers get breakfast, especially my squad. They get free breakfast after wow. each morning. Mm. So, I mean, I don't think we can ask for anything else, really. Like, mm. you don't see it in every part of the world, right? So No, no, there wasn't many things where I was walking around that pool thinking that you don't have. I was like, these guys have <laughs> everything. And again, that's, I guess that's why your, your kids were so highly skilled because they have tools, they have things at their disposal for you to use and, and ways for you to be creative, but it didn't seem like you guys were lacking anything. Um, and, and everything was well-kept, brand new. It was just like, wow, this is really, really impressive setup, you know? And how many yeah. coaches you have on the on the team? So we got five coaches. We got Larissa, which is our aquatics director. Me and Isaac, we pretty much help one another out um, when it comes to the squad, elite squad. And then we got Coach Adrian coaching the junior performance squad. Oh, make it six because we have a new coach who's actually doing the developmental squad. So wow. So how many people? Uh, you know, compl- how many kids on the team? maybe around 200 in total. Wow. Like that's across the board though, from my squad all the way down to developmentals. Yeah. yeah. Now do they all have to attend Nexus or some of those from outside? Uh, we have a specific rule sort of that if you are part of Nexus, we want to, we encourage them to actually train here at Nexus just to avoid having conflicts of interest. Right. Cause I think, at least, especially for my squad, it helps a lot, you know, having a specific program and following that program. Yep. And you see, you see the progression with it. It's easier that way than having like, you know, them training elsewhere, then suddenly here. Yeah. And I think that's one of the good things that we have here. How many kids at the school? Uh, currently, if I remember right, 
we have a thousand two hundred somewhere around that number. Wow, now to have, to have you know uh, twelve hundred kids, but two hundred of them swim. Are they do they have to do, go into the swim program, the learn to swim program, or anything like that? Like, what? How do you have two hundred kids? So we pretty much have curriculum, uh, swimming curriculum integrated in, in Nexus, mm. whether it's um, learning how to swim early, early years. And then once they hear, hit about year seven, year six, they do dive into more other stuff, let's say water polo, um, artistic swimming, life saving, all this other aquatics stuff, mm. really. And I think that's how we get more swimmers in. But also, we do hold tryouts every every term, almost, wow. to get those who are interested in joining Nexus Swimming wow. aboard, really. so That's brilliant. Now, one of the other things that I found really interesting is that when you compete against other schools, you actually fly out of the country, right? Yeah. Well, tell us about yeah. that. So... Again, the school supports us in a way where really we can't ask for anything else, if I'm going to be honest. And just to make sure, especially for my squad. So we got, we do go to Thailand um, for this feeding frenzy meet where other international schools here in Singapore also attend. Um, that is more of a team, team building meet where all the squads attend really in, in Nexus and we pretty much pair up one of my swimmers from the older squad with a young kid. And for I believe for the young kid, it's a way to, you know, look up to somebody who's actually doing the sport longer. And for my squad, who's older, it's a way to actually mentor the younger kids and inspire them and hopefully to let them continue swimming. So that's one of the things that we go to. But this December, we're flying to Australia and we're planning to attend the um, Western Australian meet. I think mm -hmm. it's the state championships. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. yeah. So we're going there. My squad's going there this December to get a little bit of um, more swimming in, especially at that level, to see where we are at before we pretty much head over to Singapore National Age Group, which is in March. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, we do fly to different places and wow. we also do camps like Tanyapura camp, to name a few. Wow. I mean, we That's have awesome. that flying, flying over here, you know, <laughs> like at the end of the day, it's to support, you know, the dreams and give our swimmers inspiration, you know, and that motivation to keep at it. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. I love that the, the school supports you in, in that respect. Hey guys, I've been trialing some revolutionary new swim tech and now you can get your hands on it too. This is EO Swim Better, a swimming evolution in the palm of your hands. Improve your technique with EO Swim Better. Analyze your stroke technique with EO's Swim Better handset. Go to eolab.com, use code BRETT at checkout and save 10%. We individualize training in the pool, so why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Biney of Biney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. 
athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available. So go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, wellnessbuilding.net. What about in terms of um, expectations, maybe on the coaching staff, like things that you have to live up to uh, from, from the school that come from them? Like what are the... What are the expectations? The expectation is pretty much um, to respect people, to respect, of course, our athletes. Um, but expectation-wise, you know, like, because we have a couple of scholars who fly in really to try to take their swimming to the next level. And, of course, there's expectations, but the school do not doesn't really lay out. They, it's not like they pressure us that, oh, you got to right. do this, do that. We don't have that. And I think personally, me, I always, even when I will use to swim, I always think, and I, I tell this to my swimmers, like I believe that pressure and motivation is just two sides of one coin. And it depends on which I look at. And because if, if I think about it, like people flying in as a scholar, you know, and wanting to take their swimming to the next level, people can view it as, oh, it's pressure, you know, like the expectations high and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's a, it's a motivation. Like it means that they trust us to take their swimming to the next level. Mm -hmm. One, two, I just always believed in my own principle as a coach that as long as I relay the vision that I have in my head, the, where I want them to get to, mm -hmm. and then show them that I actually care as a human being, mm -hmm. listen, because sometimes to me, the work has to be done, yes, but most importantly, when my swimmers know, and I know that they know that I care for them, it just flows really well. Like they just know that when I tell them stuff, it's in a good, good place and I just want the best for them and it just makes them follow really. So that's really that universal, is isn't it? That's not cultural. It's just universal yeah. need, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Growing up, I had a coach who was like, more of a whip type of thing mm -hmm. which at that time because in my country i think in southeast asia it's quite similar i'm not quite sure but at least in my country respect was already given like if you're going to be trained under a coach you have to respect a coach and it's right. natural right, it's just right. the culture thing right. but then working in an international school i know that you know it's it doesn't come as often you know mm -hmm. it's not part of the culture but I always find it helpful that when you show that you actually care for them in a deeper level than just, you know, just training wise. Yep. Or times. How, how fast did you go? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's the most important part of the job, the relationships, the relationship of a coach and a swimmer. Yeah. 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 That, that's really a universal thing is just the, if a yeah. swimmer knows you care, they're going to, they're going to dig deep, man. And, and they'll fight for you. So um tell me this you weren't there necessarily when joseph schooling won the olympics but what what type of impact do you think that had on the country of singapore well i mean i'm pretty sure it had a really massive impact especially before i arrived here back in the philippines i know when he won it pretty much took singapore swimming to a different level 
But suddenly, like people from my country will, were noticing how even the younger age groups were becoming faster and faster. Mm. And well, right now, I think Singapore is trying to patch things because because of COVID, you had Singapore never really stopped swimming, but it was more catered towards the faster, older national athletes rather mm. than the younger generation. Mm-hmm. So I believe that Singapore is trying to mend things and patch things, try to try to pull the younger generation to get mm. to that level again. Yeah. But definitely Joseph Schooling had a really massive part as to raising Singapore swimming's level. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure he did. I, I saw the impact you brought up, uh, Cesar Cielo, I saw the impact he had in Brazil. And there's no doubt, no doubt he raised the level there. So I'm sure that, that Joseph had the same effect. Now, if you grow up in Australia, um, obviously the Olympics are the pinnacle of, of any of any country you really grow up in. But, um, you know, the second biggest thing is is the Commonwealth Games in Australia. So if you go to the Commonwealth Games, it's a big, big deal. And people in America just don't understand what that means. But in, in Southeast Asia and in, in Asian countries, it seems to be um, – what do they call it? The uh, the Asian Games, right? Yeah, we we got the Asian Games, and then you also have the Sea Games. Okay, so which which one is the the bigger one, the Sea Games or the Asian Games? So ideally, I, this is a little bit funny, but ideally, Asian Games is bigger. So Asian Games is really massive because that's pretty much the entire Asia, right? Right. But Sea Games is pretty much held to a high regard, almost to a point where. Once it's Sea Games, you see it everywhere, like being. Right. Well, tell, tell us what is Sea Games. Asian Games makes sense. What is Sea Games? Sea Games is Southeast Asian Games. Southeast so, Asian Games. Pretty much Southeast Asian countries getting together, duking it out, whether it's swimming, other sports. So you know, in and that general, seems like a big deal. If you if you win that, that you're you're almost like a, a famous you know yes. star within within your sport. Yes. So. Of course, Asian Games is the bigger aspect or bigger meet, but having China, Japan, you know, like it's not always right. that how these Asians win. Right. And that's just the truth behind it. Of course, Joseph Schooling won. Um, and then you got Tao Li, the legendary Tao Li, who in 2008 was like top eight in the world, where she actually won Asian Games, uh, represented Singapore. And I, if I remember right, she had a really interesting story, and it's quite. Um, heard all around Southeast Asia where she used to swim in China, but they pretty much told her how she's not really like physically capable at, mm. to get at the high level. So he, she moved here in Singapore and she pretty much proved them all wrong because she mm. won Asian Games, 50 fly, became top eight in the world in the hundred. So wow. those stories are like, so he, he's legendary, like mm, mm. legendary. Okay. Yeah. So when, yeah, I mean, I noticed that too. Like uh, yeah, people talk about the swimmers of the sea games and how important they are, how much emphasis they put on those. And it's almost like they'll, they'll prepare for the sea games and then they'll kind of disappear. You know, it's like nothing really else matters. It's like, well, that doesn't help Olympic aspirations. If you want to be a, you know, Olympic champion or a world champion, if people are just disappearing after the sea games, but a lot of, a lot of their funding comes from that. A lot of their, you know, their, their, again, I guess, social media presence, things like that. So sponsors can come from that. So Sea Games seems to be a big thing. When, when is the next Sea Games? Um, so we had the last Sea Games, I believe, last year. 
So it's pretty much held every two years, like World okay. Champion. Oh, okay. okay. So I believe it's going to be next year. Okay. So, yeah. so obviously, you know, um, it hurts. You know, if you if you want uh, someone from Singapore or or Southeast Asia, if you want them to be, you know, an Olympic hopeful, yeah. kind of like a Joseph Schooling, do you think they have to leave the country to get out of that mentality like Joseph did? He went to Texas. Or could they stay in the country and still have Olympic aspirations to, to be a medalist? I would, I would honestly believe that given the right direction, given the right mentorship from coaches, I think it's doable. Just, I mean, staying in your own country, as long as you guys know um, and pretty much plan the whole pathway, right? But for example, like Singapore has Tengwei, um, if I remember right, if I pronounce it right, but it's pretty much, he won silver in Commonwealth Games, if I remember right, really fast. I saw him swim a 4,900 fly short course and you just see and know that it's doable. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but at least back in my country in the Philippines, it's a little bit tricky because like, um, I personally, personally went homeschooled when, once I got to about age 15 to cater for my swimming because the problem, at least back in my country, is not, mo not a lot of pools are actually open early in the morning. So you got school at, that starts at 7.30, which makes it tricky, really. Like, mm -hmm. how do you get the next session in? You have to wake up extra early, which is perfectly fine, but pools are not open across the nation, which makes it tricky. I had a teammate who got into Olympics. He went to bowls actually, mm -hmm. uh, pool in Florida, swam the mile. I mean, tough, tough event. That's for sure. Yeah. And I remember swimming with him and his, his workouts are crazy. I would like to think we had a coach before who was quite infamous for having a really high mileage. And personally for me, I grew up, I started my swimming journey. I wasn't really fast at all, mm. but all this helped me a lot. But seeing how he swam the mile, at least trained for the mile was crazy. Like he was swimming 10 one fives on 1730. It was just crazy. Fathom <laughs> how yeah. he did. Really, yeah, not but, something I, I want to do either, but um, <laughs> it's, it's but tough. Yeah, like he, but pretty much he left the Philippines, went to the U.S., and yeah. it took a lot. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, that that's talking about the swimmers. Now, the on on the on the uh, coaching side, let's say, or um, administrative side, do they are they aiming for? Uh, a change of mentality, not maybe not a change, but like, are they aiming for Olympic glory as well? Or are they still stuck in, we've got to be good at the sea games. Is that where their mentality is? Or are they, are they, are they lifting beyond that? If I'm going to be honest, unfortunately, and this is me talking about my own country, right? Singapore, wise, Singapore wise, I know that they are aiming to get to that level, which is awesome because it, pretty much brings up the sport in the nation. Um, but back in my country, uh, there's a couple of coaches who have that vision. But unfortunately, I would still say that the mentality is sort of stuck. 
in right. C games. Right. Wherein really C games is C games. Yes, it's important, but if you're gonna dream, you wanna dream big, right? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, if you don't you want to be the regional games, champion. You want to be the Olympic champ. You want to be the world champion, right? Exactly. Like if you if you if you get in Sea Games because you're aiming for the Olympics, great. But I think if you're gonna do this, and this is what I tell my swimmers, like if we're gonna do something, we do do it in an excellent way because I always tell them like your journey in swimming is gonna fly by fast. Like right now we're here, but the next thing you know, maybe you're done with swimming. It's that fast. And that's why I appreciate the journey, but also aim as high as you can. Yeah. Because yeah. If you can, why not? Right? Like, sure. don't be the person that limits yourself. And I always tell them, like, if never bet against yourself. Yeah. You know, never bet no. against yourself. Well, it sounds like you're having an impact on your new country. You've said you've said my country a few times, as in the Philippines, but it sounds like you're, you know, you're living and influencing the country of Singapore and their next generation of athletes in a really positive way. Do you feel like, look, I, I'm, I, I took on American citizenship and I consider myself American for sure. I've, I'm always going to be Australian. Like you're always going to be from the Philippines, but do you feel like now that you are part of Singapore? Definitely. Especially because I've been here for two and a half years now and being in the swimming, swimming scene, it's like, you're just part of it now, right? Like, yeah. especially as we get to a higher level, swimming faster, we pretty much have a name as a group. Yeah. Active. Yeah. And that gives you that feeling of being part of something, mm -hmm. which is big, you know, just swimming in itself. Right. But right. feeling that warmth or comfort that you can call Singapore home. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you live there? Um, are you on a work visa? Like, how do how do you how are you able to stay there for so long? So I'm in, I'm under a work visa, and I just signed. I think I renewed it for another three years, so I'm gonna be stuck here for another three years. Mm, good. But yeah, like um, most of my swimmers are graduating in two years, all the way to five years, so it's perfect. Yeah, I want yeah. to see things through try to get them to the heights that I envisioned getting them yeah. towards to. So, yeah, well, look, look, like I said, uh, let's just talk about Singapore for a second, because I was so impressed with what, with what the, the country's doing and, and how they yeah. operate. And, and um, it's very futuristic. It really is. If you go there now to Singapore, you'll see it's very futuristic. And you think to yourself, it's almost like a city of the future. You're like, wow, you're going into this, but it, I found some things interesting that I heard. Tell, tell me if I'm wrong or, or tell me some other things. But like um, in order to have a driver's license, it costs $100,000. Is that correct? Yep, because of the insurance. So it's quite crazy in some sense. Yeah. yeah. And for example, I, my assistant, he he's on a um, driver's license for a motorbike. Mm. And he paid like, I be, if I remember the number right, I believe it, it cost. Twenty thousand. Wow, twenty grand. Twenty grand for a motorcycle and a hundred grand for a car, and then and then the cars themselves are are almost like a quarter of a million dollars, right? Yep. So, I mean, that's what why, of course, <laughs> the second most expensive place to live in. Yeah. What do they just they they just pay you in gold or something? What are they? What's going on over there? Jeez. Oh, how I wish it's like that. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, yeah. wild. And then um, and another thing I heard was 
you can own a house, but you can't own a house for more than a hundred years. So basically yeah. what they, what they're trying to get away from is buying a house and just handing it down from generation to generation. Is that correct? It, yeah. It's always going to be under the government. So it's like, it's almost like you're renting it really. Right. Right. <laughs> and yeah. it gives it back to the government. So. Yeah. You give it back. Oh, that's the other thing about a car. You can't own a car for more than 10 years. Correct. Yep. Wow. You have to give the car back to the government too, right? Yes. If I remember right. Yes. Yeah. Now, listen, all this sounds crazy to p people from the outside, but it works really well. Like there's no traffic jams. There's no smog. There's no, uh, people aren't angry. People are happy in Singapore. And then the other thing I noticed is it, it's very warm over there. It's very humid. So a lot of the um, shopping centers are actually built underground, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's crazy. It was wild. It was like yep. you can you can walk for miles underground in these beautiful shopping centers. Yes, especially in Orchard Road where it's just everywhere, really. Yeah. Like you yeah. Another shopping mall across the other streets, another shopping mall. Yeah. So oh yeah, all underground. Yep. Yeah. Crazy. That's cool. Um, and then people eat really well there. Very very healthy eating. You can't you can't chew gum there, right? Yep, you can't. <laughs> No chewing gum. That was good. I liked it. Right? Like, it's super clean out here. So. It's super clean. Yeah, you could eat off the floor out there. Everything was clean. There's people cleaning everything all the time. It was just like, yeah. it's incredible. When I checked into my hotel, the only thing the man said to me, he said, if it's not sanitary, let me know. I was like, not sanitary? Everything, <laughs> everything here is sanitary. <laughs> yeah, like, and it's always good how, you know, like, you know that it's pretty much safe here. You yeah. see kids crossing the streets, you yeah. know, like super safe, super safe, you know? Yeah. 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 I, I never felt threatened once when I was there. Exactly. Like I had a teammate who left a new bag. Let's just say it's a designer bag. Yeah. It's a thing that you wouldn't leave. Right. Yeah. And I remember her telling me a story where she left it at a bus stop. And in other parts of the world, really, if you do that, it's a mm. goner. Gone. There's nobody back. Mm. So what they did was they contacted the, I, I believe, the bus company. Pretty much they got the bag back. Wow. That's amazing. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. 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 No, that's how it is over there. I mean, look, there's some, there's some strange things, but it, it works well. And like I said, it's a, yeah. it's a city of the future and, and people are living longer. The, the quality of life according to to this show that i watched on netflix the quality of life has improved you know 10 years so like uh you know if, if people were dying at the age of 68 now it's the age of 78 or something like that the average age like let me say but um the quality of life has just increased so much uh yeah. really really impressive yeah yeah for sure cool um well listen uh, this has been fun man but getting to know you getting to know the program and and the and the region a little bit i haven't done a lot of southeast asia um podcasts so the it's it's nice to get to get one in man and um what have you got coming up what are you guys aiming for so we have a meet um in november it's the singapore national swimming championships okay so currently we are in short course season okay. so that's always uh something different which i like i personally love because of how the workouts become more really skill oriented yeah. i wouldn't say more but it becomes highly skilled oriented yeah so and we had a meet this week which was futures meet 
it was just nice to see my swimmers actually applying yeah. and seeing those skills at the level where we are at, even if we are just four weeks in, it's always good. Mm, I love it. Awesome, man. Now, um, I can't remember which which part of Southeast Asia, the World Championships, was it in, was it in, um, I was in Jakarta uh, mm-hmm. or, or Singapore. Are the World Championships in Jakarta or Singapore in the next year or the year after, I think? I believe Singapore. I believe Singapore. it's in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think yep. it's Singapore. Yeah, that's what that's right. Yeah, because there's a big stadium there, isn't there? A big stadium yep. where they're gonna have the yeah. Yes. Wow. That's very cool. Well, it's gonna be fun to come out there and um compete at the world championships. I'm telling you, people are gonna get blown away when they see Singapore. It's just like wow. Or it's a, a beautiful yeah. country. Beautiful country. Beautiful country. Uh Dill, I appreciate it, man. This has been fun. Um good luck to you and your swimmers. I'd love to come back out there one day and um and, and do some more work with you. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be epic. Yeah. Uh, actually, what what do, you, what do you think you took from that, from the from the clinic? What what did you guys get from that? Actually, I've never asked you. Um, definitely, I my swimmers are were really happy, especially being coached by you. If I'm gonna be honest, because before you guys arrived, I sent them a little, you know, being a swim nerd, sent them a little bit of um, mm-hmm. information about who's coming. And told them, I even sent them a video of Cesar Shello and Fred Fred Busquet. And so it was nice for them to have that perspective of being coached by an Olympic coach and current mm. world record holder in Cesar Shello, right? Yeah. And so, and hearing words, kind words from you that they're highly skilled, that got them going, if I'm going to mm. be honest. Mm. They were happy about that, that compliment. Yeah. And definitely be hearing at the question and answer portion, hearing pretty much how how elite athletes view their lifestyle or how they took things mentally, mm-hmm. it's a good perspective for them. And I think, at least yeah. for my squad, that's one of the key factors mm-hmm. that I know they appreciated. Yeah. Because most of the questions in the question and answer portion were coming from my squad, especially the mental side of things. Yeah. So... That's one of the things, and definitely the skills. Skills are super highly important, and that's something that they appreciated. Cool. So. Yeah. No, look, it was good. It was good to go in there and just reemphasize things. I love going into programs and being like, I didn't really have to say anything new there. I'm just reinforcing what you guys are doing. So you're doing a fantastic job, man. Uh, the fact that you just signed another three-year contract, congratulations. You deserve that, and and they're in good hands. Thank so. You. Um, yeah, man, I'm excited to see what you do over the next few years in, in your school and in your region, okay? Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Brett. Yeah, absolutely, man. Take care, Dill. Likewise. Take Bye. care. Vasa has been the go-to training tool outside of the pool for over 30 years. Vasa's products are ideal for developing power and proper technique in your swimmer's catch. Add a few Vasa trainers to your pool deck, and it's like adding an extra lane to your swimming pool. Go to vasatrainer.com, use code BREAD at checkout, and get 10% off anything from Vasa. Destro Swim Towers. Gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 per double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, at checkout. Destromachines.com.